We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. My name is Jari Bolander. Welcome to the Entrepreneur Ethos Podcast. On this podcast, we're going to take a deep dive into the traits, values, beliefs, and skills of all sorts of entrepreneurs to learn how to build a more ethical, inclusive, and resilient world. Let's get started. Hey, everyone. Stay tuned to the end of the interview where I'll give you some actionable insights that I learned from my guest. These insights are also in the show notes, and all of the show notes are over at theentrepreneurethos.com. As always, thanks for listening. Thanks for the ratings and reviews. Thanks for the emails. Thanks for all the shares. Well, thanks for everything. Now, on to my guest for today, Alan Silvestri, founder and CEO of Growth Gorilla, a content promotion and distribution agency for the SaaS space. Alan put in nine years as an electrical engineer in Italy before making the jump to entrepreneurship. He quickly learned that he didn't like working at an office. He also wanted to be able to take time off to tour with his band. He turned to the internet and started learning skills in SEO and website building. One of his course teachers took him on as an apprentice, enabling him to further develop his expertise, particularly in link building. He created efficient processes and eventually started his own agency so he could finally quit his day job. Alan credits his interest in American pop culture with helping him push him over the edge into entrepreneurship. He also believes that for an entrepreneur, the stress of staying the same is more than the stress of change. Growth Gorilla has a very specific mission to promote content and distribution through SEO and backlinking for SaaS companies. Alan believes that having a specialization is key. He also encourages companies to keep their language simple if they want to engage new clients. Now, let's get better together. Alan Silvestri, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Jerry. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Well, you are quite welcome. We got introduced through another person named uh, Georgios, who I also interviewed. And I, I actually got to meet Georgios through Farzad, who I also interviewed. So um, when everyone's saying, well, this whole networking thing and da-da-da-da-da, Jari, I don't like it. Well, you get to meet cool people because people introduce you to cool people. So Yeah, yeah exactly. We were just talking about how this is a good excuse to meet new and cool people. So yeah, here we are. Yeah, yeah. I always say that I use this to network because I'm a highly functional introvert and it's really hard for me to do that. Oh, same. Yeah, Same. so, you know, host a podcast, everyone yeah, will talk I to you. It, for now, I'm just like doing mainly client calls, which is not the best because it's kind of unnerving as well. Yeah. So yeah, I might yeah. consider doing a podcast. Yeah, well, it's just super interesting. I, I've, I've done 140 episodes over the last year and a half, almost two years. Mm-hmm. And it's like one of those things where I was sick of blogging. And I'm like, well, what's the next thing? Well, this podcast thing sounds cool. I go, ah, this seems so easy. Just record yourself on the thing. And it's like four to five times harder than writing yeah. a blog post. I'm sure there's a lot of moving parts and yeah, stuff that you have to do. Yeah, but it's extremely satisfying because conversation 
the more you practice it as a highly functional introvert, especially on like client calls or like, I'm really bad at sales. Like sales is something that's just this, my kryptonite nemesis. Oh yes. You know, I know like, what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. Cause it's, it's just feels weird, you know? And I found as the more I practice talking. Yeah. Um, I've actually just started uh, like working with uh, like an agency coach as well. His name is Dev Bazu and he's from mm-hmm. Canada he is working at powered by search, which is a, a co- Accountant marketing slash marketing agency for SaaS companies, mm-hmm. and he's teaching me all of the ins and outs of sales and how to be better at that because it's, it's something I was really terrible at. But yeah, unfortunately, you kind of need that in uh, yeah to run every, a business. Right, every entrepreneur is their first salesperson. Yeah, and if once you build the product or the service, half the battle's done. The other half is trying to sell and market the yeah. silly thing because no one gives a shit. No one cares as much as you do. Right. Mm -hmm. But we're getting ahead of ourselves because we were like just chatting around about stuff. Um, I want to get through all of that, talk about all what you're doing over at Growth Gorilla. But before we do that, as I always like to say, tell tell us all how you got to do what you're doing today. Yeah, sure. So, yeah, I started my my work career doing something that was totally different from what I do now. I worked for nine years. Like basically out of school, I worked for nine years in a in like an office job. I was essentially an electric engineer uh, doing like yeah like electric diagrams, and we were basically building machines like robotic machines for the medical sector stuff like that. Cool. And so that was essentially the job that I got out of school because it was the same stuff that I studied and blah blah blah. But yeah, to be honest, it wasn't the job that I liked. I actually kind of hated the. the <laughs> like basically the office life and so in the meantime since i was 12 i was playing guitar and singing with my band i had a punk rock band with my brother and a few friends and so we were like trying to do something like go out and tour play shows and stuff but every time we had a like a one or two weeks tour i had to ask for the days off work like three months in advance and so it was like basically a pain in the ass (laughs) and so 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 yeah, like at that point, I started looking like with the classic uh, how to make money online search because I wanted to have a job that, that would allow me to essentially kind of, yeah, like either have some free time or be in control of my own time, right? right, right so I stumbled yeah. upon a few training courses. I bought some that were like total garbage. And then I finally found one that was kind of good. And that was about uh, on how to run affiliate websites, basically. So that's the first uh, place where I stumbled upon SEO, search engine optimization, and I started learning it. I built my own site. I was able to bring that site to make some money, you know, like 500 bucks a month. Uh, so nothing special, but like the most important thing in there was that it, it essentially taught me a new skill that I didn't have before. And so I, yeah, basically dove like very deep into SEO. I started learning about technical SEO and link building as well. So at that point, the same guy that was running this training course saw me because they had a Facebook group and stuff and stuff. And I was very active in there. So he saw me like posting stuff and he saw the website that I created using the training course. So he thought, like that I was kind of good somehow. And so he sent me uh, like an... <laughs> kind of good somehow. I love that. <laughs> so, so yeah, he sent me like an email and it was like, hey, I'm about to start a new website. This is going to be a very uh, kind of big like authority site in the health space, like a blog. Would you like to work with me on that site as like an apprentice or something like that? And so, yeah, I said yes. And that was basically my side project, uh, basically after work kind of every day like from 6 p.m till 8 or 9 for for three years i worked with him on this side project and i specialized even more in seo and he put me in charge of link building which is basically trying to build backlinks from other websites to the client website to increase the search engine rankings essentially Uh, so what i done is i was able to sort of come up with my own systems and processes that I was, so in the beginning, I was basically doing everything by myself. And then I was able to systematize that. And in the end, I was like, so if I'm doing this thing for one person, 
why can't I do the same thing for multiple clients and get more money, <laughs> right? Essentially. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so that's when I started uh, hiring the first like, few people to help me out with some of the process. And then I started looking for clients and that's how I came with the agency that I have now. Wow. A little bit <laughs> circuitous. I mean, I, I have a degree in electrical engineering too. I actually oh, spent cool. like 20 years doing that. Wow. <laughs> mostly, mostly on the IC integrated circuit mm-hmm. design, chip design. I talk all sometimes talk about the, the semiconductor <laughs> business that is all the magic behind the, you know, what's oh, yeah. inside your phone, <clears throat> stuff like that. Yeah. No, I used to design like radios and manufacture them and DNA sequencing, all these, it's crazy wow. stuff, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. Then I fell into this whole PR and marketing comms thing through, mm-hmm. you know, as I talk about Jane, my late wife, she, she did this job. And so I continued on after she died, but I always, unlike you, um, mm-hmm. I miss it sometimes. Yes. <laughs> sometimes, yeah, yes. No, I, there's I days. No. Yeah, there's days. Yeah, I guess because maybe you you work with that because you liked it. I mean, for me, it was mainly the first thing that I got out of school. Yeah. Uh, because it had, it kind of yeah, it was similar to what I studied, and people were like, yeah, go work like for this company and blah blah. blah. So I essentially learned like the stuff that I was doing then. Yeah, basically learned it like while working there yeah yeah so I don't, on the job training so I, yeah. so I don't think that school like really prepared me for that yeah so it was good to learn a new skill there as well i guess i'm kind of like learning new stuff <laughs> yeah well i mean i was you know i grew up in silicon valley so it was well, pretty yeah. natural back in the 90s to be like oh so what are you going to do after you get out of college i'm going to go to a startup well, what's yeah. the most startups in silicon valley right now because this was before the internet like the internet mm-hmm. didn't exist mm-hmm. Semiconductor companies. Yeah, I guess I'll be a <laughs> semiconductor company guy, and I did. I worked it worked at it for a long time. But it was funny because it's opportunity, right? Like I, the whole reason why I went went to school for electrical engineering because my dad was electrical engineer. My dad worked at United Airlines, right? And he like did you know all the electronics for like autopilot, wind shear, avoid collision yeah. avoidance, this like crazy stuff, right? He he wanted me to work at United. so he's like jar you got to get a good stable job a good company like united airlines and you know it's a great job you could travel the world and i you know as kids we would travel the world but we would always do it on standby so any anyone that's in the airline business knows that you can basically fly for free but you're on standby i hate standby absolutely despise it as a kid it was the most anxiety i've ever had in my life even yeah. to this day, I still get to the airport like super early. Uh-huh. If someone says, oh, give up your ticket for $5,000. I'm like, nope, this is my ticket, my plane. I'm getting on this damn plane. You know, I hate, I hate it. I, I, I hate it, right? But, yeah. you know, what was good about, you know, getting kind of like nudged into that was that, yeah, Silicon Valley. Like it was so many companies doing semiconductors and, you know, San Jose State where I went was at the center of it. So yeah. it was natural. Yeah, wow. It's natural. Yeah. So, but yeah, like school, school only prepares you to think about how to do a job. It's not like uh-huh. they had to train me how to do, yeah. <laughs> they didn't teach you this in school. Right. Yeah. To be honest, I mean, I would like, I think that like school should improve in a way that teaches you how to learn mm-hmm. so that you are better prepared on learning new skills because in the end like it's kind of impossible to know what you want to do when you're like 15 or or 17 yeah, yeah. Totally. so they should like teach you how to learn so that then when you're older and and you start working in other places you know how to learn new stuff that can be useful for you yeah i think i think you're going to see a lot more of that in the education space i mean look at all the great online you know, degrees, like the world of education and information is just so democratized, pretty much learn anything. I mean, like Mm -hmm. there was, you know, there's Lambda school for coding is an example. I know about them. There's um, this one called, uh, I can't escape me. You can get like a a degree online for five grand. Mm -hmm. I mean, just just crazy stuff because you're right. It's like, teach me how to learn and I can learn anything. Um, yeah, especially within, with COVID. Yeah, especially yeah. with COVID. I mean, right. it's it's crazy now. So I've also yeah. had a client which is is Podia, which is like a, a course creation platform, mm. and they were doing like an amazing job 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's becoming like more common as well. There's a lot of tools and stuff that allow you to like to yeah to like, like I guess yeah even create your own training courses. Yeah. So it's it's pretty easy now to like to put content out there for people. Yeah. I like I said, I, I think you're right. It's learning how to learn. I think that's the one thing that most entrepreneurs that I know of, you know, they get into the, the gig and it's like no one teaches you this job, quote unquote. <laughs> it's yeah. just like oh, yeah. throw you in the deep end, you'll figure it out. It ain't that hard. And you're like, ah, what do I do? There's actually <laughs> exactly. this, yeah. I was actually, I found this one place called New Founder School. I actually talked to one of their founders the other day and it was a really neat, neat idea where they have a curriculum for how to be an entrepreneur because they don't teach you that in school. I mean, I have an MBA. They didn't teach us entrepreneurship in school. In fact, I mean, the only real benefit of getting an MBA for me was I learned how to pitch. Like Mm. all we did was PowerPoint. It was like every single class was like, your project's to do a PowerPoint presentation on blog. You're like, Oh, oh my God! Yet another PowerPoint presentation, right? But I think I think the the challenge, you know, with all of this, especially for younger folk, like it, there is so much out there to do and so much to kind of like do. It, it 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 can be overwhelming, and it sounds like for you, you know, okay, got to you know, went to school electrical engineering, got a job, wasn't for me, wanted to be in a band, figured out I needed more autonomy and freedom. Yeah. And then boom, I'm now doing websites and SEO. So that's a common, well, I would not, well, let me back up. Do you think that's common for people to like your, so, so, so your peers, like your buddies, like, yeah, what yeah, are they I doing? Mean, no. no, to be honest, I don't think it's common, especially in Italy. Like we're like 20 years behind. Uh, uh, so, yeah, I mean, like the other two guys that were in the band with me, uh, so yeah, they're still doing the same job as like seven years ago now. Uh, so the only two that basically follow this path is me and my brother. So so that's kind of different because we're brothers, so we share stuff with each other, right? Yeah. So this is why we did. Yeah, we followed like a similar path, but all the others, my bandmates and all my other friends, yeah, the, I would say there are just a few of them kind of realized that they didn't want to be in a nine-to-five job every day so some of them uh, like quit the job but still none of them are at that level where they essentially have a business and they are running the business like everybody is still kind of working in a job so one of my friends uh, he quit uh, like a job in a department store and now is working at as like a photographer which is kind of like yeah what he likes to do but he's still doing uh, like photography for an agency or like for, yeah, basically for the businesses. So right. it's not like he has built his own thing that he's in control of. Right. So I guess it's it's kind of difficult as well. And sometimes I kind of take it for granted, like the fact that I decided to take the plunge yeah. and do this thing on my own. Uh, so it's good. Yeah, it's a good reminder to, yeah, to know that, yeah, that I'm doing something that is difficult and so if i'm stressed or anxious or nervous it's totally normal basically <laughs> yeah that's part of the gig right stress yeah. anxiety fear of uncertainty and doubt i can't i mm-hmm. can't even count on fingers and toes how many times <laughs> that's been the case i mean yeah it is interesting because you know different countries have different kind of mentalities on this like you said you're from italy now i think you're mm-hmm. living in the uk yeah um, very different entrepreneurial environment what do you think it was that sort of tilted you over to that? I mean, you know, mm-hmm. some people in your position would be like, okay, I want the freedom. Okay. I want to do my band thing. Okay. I'll have this job and I'll just deal with it. Whereas you, you're like, yeah, this isn't working for me. Is there something in your past that sort of, do you have entrepreneurs in your family or is it, what's the. No, to be honest, no, there's nothing in my family, but. Yeah, fundamentally, it took me a while first. So, so I mean, I was like doing this thing like part time for three years before I decided to quit right, right. the office job. So it did take me some time, but then I guess the fact that I was, yeah, I've always been more into the stuff coming from the US or basically other countries like that. So stuff where, yeah, like everything and this kind of business is 
is kind of ahead mm. compared to Italy. So I've always looked at the US basically for music, specifically with my band, mm-hmm. uh, like for movies, like you can see in the back. Yeah, you know, you're a big 80s, 80s movies. I mean, we got to talk yeah. about 80s movies. So that's <laughs> yeah. <pretty> cool. <laughs> and so, yeah, I guess like looking looking outside of Italy for like inspiration and this kind of thing is kind of like what pushed me over the edge, like to know that, yeah, as long as I know some English, some good English, I can kind of do it. Mm. But yeah, also then I saw that some other people were doing the same thing. Some other people coming from Italy, some other people coming from Europe. And so, yeah, I finally... Yeah, I decided to give it a try because I couldn't stand the office job anymore, to be honest. Well, so I mean, it's it that is, situation. Yeah. So it's that situation where uh, the stress of staying the same basically needs to be like more than the stress of changing, right? So, so yeah, I got to that like point, and I couldn't stand it anymore. That's a good point. It's a good point, and I also think it's also a good point to. Um, have your side hustle, right? <clears throat> Figure out if this is what you want to do. I mean, you know, there's some people just quit. They're on a whim or whatever. But I think even though you may hate what you're doing, you need to eat. You need to pay the rent. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there, you know, there's there's obligations. And a lot of people that have kids or a family, you know, that's mm-hmm. their biggest barrier to entry is the to the yeah, game. Yeah, definitely. To game. Yeah, I mean, I'm very... Like I've always been very rational in everything that I do. I like to plan stuff. I'm a, like a note-taking nerd. I have all my software. I do my weekly reviews and all that kind of stuff. And so like first off, I wanted to have like six, seven months of expenses covered. And then I waited until basically the side hustle was uh, kind of like the same level of the office job in terms of revenue. Uh, so that's when I could say, yeah, okay. I mean, yeah, even if this goes badly i have a few months covered and i still have some revenue coming in and so i can still like go into a similar company similar to the one that i was working on before and ask for a similar job in the worst case scenario basically interesting yeah that is a very rational way to address it um it is interesting how people think it's like an all or nothing thing they see all these you know Oh yeah, uh, the uh, survivor bias billionaire. You know, oh, I just quit everything, burned all the boats. I am never going yeah. back. Like Elizabeth Holmes said that as part of her, mm-hmm. you know, Theranos. Right? They're they're yeah. doing actually the Theranos trial right now, and she, her advice was just so bad, it was just abysmally bad. But yeah. she raised seven hundred million dollars, some crazy amount of money, because she literally lied about the technology. Right? So then you've got you know the Zuckerbergs and the Theranos. And the you know homes or whatever, all the like, oh no, it's just all or nothing. Like, go all in. What are you waiting for? You know? Yeah, I mean, for some people, like for some people, maybe it's in the way that they're wired, and maybe they need that extra pressure of like the fact that they need to make it because otherwise they don't have nothing. Like they don't, yeah. So so I guess it's just a way of how somebody is the brain maybe <laughs> <laughs> wired in the brain yeah i think it's it's probably true i mean maybe that's just the motivation like if they're halfway in halfway out they just can't mm-hmm. commit they just got to go all in but yeah so yeah for some people it's, it's very difficult for example i have a, a one guy that was working in the office job with me is like 50 something and so i always like he has great experience is great at what he does and and the company still pay him the same salary that they've been paying him for for the last 20 years. So I was like, like, what do you have to lose? I mean, can't you go looking for another job that, that can pay you more with the experience that you have mm-hmm. instead of just staying here, same salary after 20 years? I mean, there's there's not like really much to lose there. Uh, so, so just give it a try. And if it goes badly, then you can still like, yeah, keep working on the same place. Yeah, it's the fear. Like my dad yeah. had that same thing. So my dad worked at United Airlines for like 35 yeah. years, right? Or 33, some crazy number. He he wanted to go longer, but then uh, September 11th happened oh. and they retired yeah. him early. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and my brother worked there too. My brother was a mechanic there and they re- laid him off too. And I'm just like, yeah, good luck on the safe haven. Like, yeah. 
They don't give safe a shit job. about you. There's no safe job. Yeah. I mean, yeah. actually, I think being an entrepreneur is a safer job because we have to hustle every day. We're, it's like in our DNA, not maybe not in our DNA, but our practice of, oh, got to go get more business, got to do this. Yeah. It's all on me. So you just like literally focus, okay, I'm going to build this and do this or whatever. And I think that's one thing that scares people, you know, yeah. like just showing up to the job and getting the pay packet and yeah, cool. You know, two weeks. Yeah, I, week. guess the yeah I guess the fact that uh, like being in control is both a positive and a negative as well, depends on how you look at it and, and how you are as a person as well. So yeah, this guy, uh, like my friend, I guess that he has like both fear, but on the other hand, it might also be uh, that this thing has become like a habit. Mm. So it just stays mm. there as a habit and yeah. Good point. doesn't need to change. <laughs> the bad corporate coffee is just bad corporate coffee. Well, oh, yeah. is there even bad coffee in Italy? Because I mean... Yeah, like... <laughs> yeah trust me. Because yeah. <laughs> I'm a big yeah. espresso fan. I mean, I have a mm -hmm. shirt that says coffee or die, but uh, I'm a nice. big, big espresso <laughs> fan, right? I yeah, coffee machines... Of in the office it is not great yeah yeah <laughs> even in italy <laughs> i mean that's like the standard right like bad cough bad corporate coffee in italy then time to leave but i yeah love love coffee and i love the you know the whole express see that's one of the that's one of the like the moments that i really don't miss about the office job like the coffee break where everybody just complains about their work <laughs> and basically nobody does like anything to change it so they're like so, so, so yeah, it's part of their day, just like complain together and then go back to the desks and, and just keep doing the same thing. Yeah. I didn't like that either. I, I never, I mean, corporate for me was a great education. There were some things that I had to learn and mature a little bit, but I'm just unemployable, and almost unmanageable when it comes mm -hmm. to that. Cause I would be like, what's the right thing to do for the company. And this doesn't make sense. And apparently you have to play politics, which I'm not good at. Oh Yeah. Yeah. So I'm like, I speak my mind and that was never a good thing to do. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, the complaining. Yeah, and the other thing is like meritocracy doesn't yeah, like doesn't really exist, especially in Italy. I don't know how it is in the States, but it's, in Italy it's it's an illusion. It's a real yeah. illusion. There are companies that say, Oh, we're a meritocracy. Like, you know, Google touts that or you know, there, there's mm -hmm. there's all mm -hmm. these big tech companies, and it's all BS, absolute yeah. BS, because if you get more than two or three people together, politics takes over. And leadership is all about politics. It's not about competency because as a leader or a manager, you're not, you don't need to do the job. You need to manage the people that do the job mm -hmm. and the ones that are good at it. Like, and again, you know, spectrum of folks in the world, there's the narcissistic egomaniac a-hole that mm -hmm. knows how to play the game and they go up. And then there's the people that are like trying to do the right thing, like your coworkers that just bitch and moan about management. Yeah. I mean, it's like a sport, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Whoever had the worst day is gonna win. Oh yeah, it's 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 like, well, there's another, um, God, what's the other country that that's just so prevalent? Oh, I can't remember the name. Anyway, I'll, I'll find it out, but it's like, who can, out, who can be more miserable? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and like as an entrepreneur, I mean, there's miserable days, but the book stops with you, right? Like it's mm -hmm. like, oh, I'm talking about the boss as an a-hole. Oh, I'm the boss. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, like even if I had a like a bad day, the fact is that I choose to have that bad day. Right. You know, so next time I right. like at least I will try to do something different not to have the bad day. <laughs> It's a very good point. I mean, I think that's the thing that some people can't handle. It's actually the responsibility for yourself to create your own destiny, build this independent life that completes you. Some people are not cut out for that because it's a little scary to be like, you mean it's up to me? Mm -hmm. Really? Yeah. Like, no yeah. one's telling me what to do? Huh? What? I mean, yeah, yeah well, you have clients, whatever. Yeah. Yeah, well, I do know like some people that like they really want to be told what to do, and, mm. and that's like totally fine. We all need like those people to run our businesses as well. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, like for me, I really wanted to have the freedom, and yeah, it's not the control; it's more the freedom to do what I want, when I want, with the people that I want to do it with. 
So yeah, that's... yeah, just like like basically choice, uh, having choice essentially. Yeah, I'm with you. I always say that like I do this gig because of the freedom. I don't do it for the money because the money never comes. I mean, you can make <laughs> a living, right? But you're not going to be rich. Yeah. I mean, the, the the ones that are like billionaires are like I can count on what like two hands, like oh, yeah. how many of the, you know, so probability is super low. So if you get into this gig to be rich, you're fooling yourself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But if you're getting into it to build an independent life that completes you, or you want the freedom and autonomy to do what you want to do, work with who you want to work with, this mm-hmm. is a great gig. But along yeah. with freedom comes great responsibility. <laughs> <laughs> like your powers. <laughs> exactly. Oh, it's a superpower, right? Oh, yeah. Because like, you could just tell someone to F off and like, yeah, well, that's, well, that's what it is. Right. I mean, it's a, yeah, I don't like sword. a client, the client can go. It's fine. I'll find another one. And yeah, yeah that's really cool. <laughs> yeah. And, and there's some stress in that, of course, of course, um, yeah. but you know, but the control of your time and the freedom to do what you want to do is worth more money than anyone can ever pay me per hour. Oh yeah. I can't think of a number where I would be like, indentured beholden servant i mean i can't think of a number that's how yeah yeah just wouldn't want to do it yeah sometimes in like like my worst days when i'm really stressed and i hate like all the clients and all that like it kind of goes through my mind and basically i'm like hmm, like i could maybe like go to work at like any other kind of agency similar to this and just be a, like an employee and not have to deal with this stuff. But then, yeah, then I think, so I would have to work from this time to this time. And, and during this time, I can't do this other thing that now I'm doing and all that. And then it completely like goes back to, yeah, bad idea. Like, keep doing what you're doing, just stick with it. And uh, how do they say, like embrace uh, the pain or embrace the Embrace the suck. The suck. Embrace <laughs> yeah. The suck exactly yeah it's a very common one here in the states i mean it's a it's a very good point it's a very good point there are times when i'm like especially when i'm grousing or complaining to my fiance and she just looks at me and she's just like well you know you choose this i'm like i know i choose this because she she works at a big company she's been working this big company for a long time she really loves it she's really good at it she does a great job she loves what she does Mm-hmm. And we're like these two totally different people. Because I'm like, you know, cause know. she's always like, you know, well, how many people have you met today or this week? Cause I'm always meeting people like constantly, mm-hmm. like I've got a show. I meet people. I talk with people. I give lectures. Like I try like to be out there. Right. Cause again, I'm mm-hmm. working on the muscle of how do I, um, you know, use like as an entrepreneur, you have to put yourself out there. You have to make your own opportunity. No one's going to just, I sit there, twiddle my thumbs, and they knock on the door. Hey, Jari, some, some, yeah. like, come come help us out. I'd love that, but that never happens, right? That's rare, right? I have to go out and yeah, yeah. put myself out there, and people need to know who I am and what I do, just like you, right? It's, uh-huh. it's interesting because this agency model, which is the same one I have, which I'm trying to build more products and basically products and programs that are more like this is what you get as opposed to, you know, uh, uh-huh. it, you know I'm sure you have the same kind of challenges with this, you yeah. know? I know Giorgio's had the same thing too. He's like, yeah, this client works great, but <laughs> we need to really, you know, kind of escalate mm-hmm. to a point where there's, because the, I think the agency world's changing a bit. Are you seeing yeah, that Yeah, I think too? so. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I mean, like from the way I see it, I, I really think that like specialization is becoming more common. There's almost an agency for like maybe every kind of niche or industry now. Mm-hmm. And so, for example, we work with software companies. And I really think that this is, is a good uh, like advantage point that people can use to differentiate from everything that's out there. Because otherwise, yeah, if you, like if you remain like a generalist, you, like you basically have the risk of, of becoming like a vendor and so clients don't see you as a trusted advisor. They see you just as like a like an order taking kind of machine yeah. that does the work. And so I think, yeah, at least for us, this is kind of like the direction where we want to go. And I see a lot of friends like Georgios as well mm-hmm. that are trying to do a similar thing. Yeah, it's interesting because <clears throat> same with entrepreneur for a product or service company or a SaaS company, right? 
the specific equals the universal. Like this is a this is a very common story thing. The more specific you can get and like auger in on that, the more universal the message and the more universal the potential application. And for stories, this is very true because as you explain your particular like circumstance, the people that hear your story, they make it their own. It's not making it so general never works because people can't connect to it. People have to find their thing in your story, their thing in your company. Like, yeah, Hey, we don't, we only do software. You know, we do SaaS companies. We don't do hardware companies as an example, that specificity, specificity, right. There may be lots of things that translate over. And usually there is right. Like if you are really good at one thing, there's always an adjacent market or adjacent thing that you're going to be good mm-hmm. at too. Oh yeah. But to your point, like I, I see, I, I see your point and I actually see this as well. There's a lot, all these niche niche things where you can like go, okay, I need to be this, 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 and this. And um, people run in, I think entrepreneurs run into a problem when they try to go too wide. Mm-hmm. It's really becoming more fragmented as well. Mm, yeah. So like, like I don't think that seven years ago you could have have like many link building agencies maybe that just do link building. Like it was more, uh, yeah, like an SEO agency that does link building content and a bunch of different things. And now, now you have the different departments basically. So that's our philosophy as well. Like like basically we try to uh, to come in for the clients, kind of like as their uh, yeah outsourced content promotion team so like typically software companies have a content production team that publishes the articles but they lack the other uh, yeah the other part that basically comes after the content is on the blog and essentially that's what we do because i think at the end of the day most companies are looking for a trusted advisor yes but also for something that looks like a turnkey solution where they can basically Mm. pay a monthly retainer they Mm. get a strategy so they see that everything is good and these people know what they're doing mm-hmm. but on the other hand they also don't want to be involved like yeah more than enough right so this is kind of like what yeah what, like what we try to do and what other people i've seen doing as well yeah no i see that same thing especially on the um, strategy and grand strategy side of content and storytelling so what i'm my expertise is in storytelling for tech startups and I find that a lot of them have got like really good ideas, really good tech. They they tend to get like product market fit or loose product market fit. And then as they start to scale, they don't know what story to tell the marketplace. Yeah. Um, and it's usually some combination of look at how cool our tech is, as opposed to what does our tech solve for you? Like what's mm-hmm. the what's the hook for me to even care? Right? I mean, exactly. you know, yeah. like no one cares. Right? No one cares. Oh my god! Doing. Yeah, but, no one cares. Right? Yeah. Yeah, working with software companies, we see like so many like like landing pages full of those like general words like Buzzword we bingo. do infrastructure yeah. uh, software <laughs> for something that I don't even know what it is. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I call that buzzword bingo. Or yeah, we uh, yeah. we coalesce the vapors of human existence into a tangible <laughs> form on our blockchain crypto platform oh, that's yeah. universally and you're like huh what huh? yeah. what yeah you no. see that more and more with crypto as well so i'm yeah. into crypto as well yeah and i do realize that like for somebody that's totally new in the space yeah it was basically uh so yeah like most crypto companies they have these kind of buzzwords in the title and like it's very difficult for somebody that's new in the space to just come in and understand what they're saying or what they're talking about so i'm like yeah like if your main goal is to involve more people in the space because it's yeah, like I personally think that it's a very good space and it's the future. So why just like, why don't you just use some more simple, like simple words? Like, so it's like virtual money that you can use to also earn interest and stuff like that, right? So no, uh, yeah, the stuff that you were saying before that yeah, it's really yeah. impossible to understand. Yeah, I mean, and it, I think the thing, the thing I found when it comes to tech companies is they think that if they dumb it down, quote unquote, or make it simple, that for some reason they lack credibility or mm. like people aren't going to think that they know what they're doing. And I always say, if you can't explain it to your grandmother, you have no idea what you're doing. 
<laughs> I mean, you just don't. That's true. Because that's like, very true. Yeah. Come on, like, in order to really truly understand something, you have to learn it, you do it, and then you have to teach it. That's sort of the you know the triplet of that. That's really important because the more you can teach someone that can actually learn about it, then the more you understand it, then the more ability you have to explain it, and the simpler you can cons- explain it the wider your story, the wider your message will, will go. It's like a meme, right? Memes yeah. reproduce because they're simple. They're clear, concise, and compelling. And they, it, they just suck into your brain, right? If yeah, you don't exactly. do that, it doesn't matter what it is. Like I, there's this great, you know, like ClickUp. Have you heard of ClickUp? I'm sure oh, you've heard of ClickUp, right? Yeah, yeah, I'm using it. Uh, yeah, we're using ClickUp in, in the agency. So. Yeah, so what's their tagline? Do you know uh, I don't it? remember right now. I, I mean, I drive it. up and down the 101 and the 28, like on the 101 down here in Silicon Valley. They have a billboard, right? A oh, wow. billboard. Like <laughs> who does billboards anymore? Apparently, billboards are effective. Yeah. On there, I mean, what ClickUp does is super complicated, right? I have no mm-hmm. idea. Like it, I have no idea, right? But on the billboard, it says, save a day a week, guaranteed. Boom. I'm on. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know what you do, but I want to save a day, right? Because that's an emotional <laughs> thing. And then, then I find out from a friend of mine, it's like, oh yeah, they do every online tool you can think of, super poor, but it's all integrated. <laughs> and they yeah, just, exactly. It's a, it's a, yeah, yeah. It's like an all-in-one project management tool. But yeah, it sounds better if you say save, a, yeah, save, a, save a day, yeah. And so they just grind on these features and keep on adding. They just like can't stop, won't stop, just keep going, keep going. Yeah, it's not as good as say Google Doc or whatever. Like, but they're just like, we're gonna grind on this because we're gonna save you a day a week. And you're like, okay. I want to save a day a week. I mean, same with superhuman, the email tool. Yeah, superhuman. I do have that as well. <laughs> yeah, right. Superhuman, right? Save what is it, an hour a day or two? What some couple hours a day? You're like, what is superhuman? It's not even like it's an email tool, but it's it's called superhuman. Yeah, exactly. Even the name is cool. Even the like name is cool. Wanna, right? makes you want to get it. Yeah. I mean, their CEO, Raul, who's really cool guy, he, he wrote a great article about product market fit that his, he had a product market fit survey. He called it a product market fit engine. And I'm like, love what he did. I've done so many of these product market fit surveys based on his stuff for clients and other folk. And I'm just like, I love this idea. In fact, I want to, I'm building tools around telling better stories and doing all these processes. Like you mentioned, mm-hmm. you know, you have all these processes. I'm trying to build products to make PR marketing, strategic communications a little bit more um, manageable, a little bit more understandable. Because a lot of people, when they say PR, ah, what's the ROI? And I'm like, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, who knows? Right? And they're <laughs> like, well, we need ROI because this is the way we're a data-driven yeah. company. And I'm like, you're full of yeah. it. You're not data-driven. You don't even look at data. You, you collect yeah, so much data you don't even look at. You're full of it. <laughs> no idea what you're doing, right? Everybody's well, obsessed well, 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 with well. data, but they don't even like know what they're doing. <laughs> or the reports, right? The one I love is the most, oh, yeah. well, we need, a, we need a weekly report. We need a monthly report. I'm like, okay, all right. Never look at it. Never look yeah, at it because exactly. they don't know what they're looking at. That, the thing about management as, as a manager and as a leader, right? The thing you always, your job is to communicate like the vision and put the metrics and measures in place to sort of make sure the guardrails are there. Mm-hmm. But your day is so inundated that you need simple metrics to be like, are we on, the, are we going like generally the right way? And this is why everyone loves digital ads, Right. Digital ads are like, oh, well, we'll just growth hack our way to success because we can just turn the cranks and we know the ROI, we know the Rojas, blah, 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 blah. Okay. Well, what do you put into the ad engine? Yeah. What do you scale? Because you're just going to waste money. I mean, I've seen this so many times where people just like waste hundreds of thousands of dollars on trying to figure out the message based on digital ads. Exactly. I got some people trying to convince me to do like to start doing ads, but I'm not very convinced. <laughs> well, it's a waste of money. I think it's the, the ads are a very specific thing that you need scale in order to do. But more importantly, you need to know what to scale. Mm-hmm. So that is where ads play is a little bit of an experiment. But like most people spend, let's say you have your marketing and marketing budget and outreach budget. Yeah. Most people spend 80% of their money on ads. 
they spend 20% on content and link building. So like what you do exactly. and what I want, content like, yes. right? <laughs> that should be switched hmm. because yeah. you cannot control, the ad thing is going to arbitrage out. And in order for ads to be super effective, you have to have scale of ads, which means you got to compete against everyone else <laughs> that's mm-hmm. paying way more money than your little startup <laughs> ads. Yeah. What can you control? Yeah, I mean, on some level, that's kind of true for content and links as well. Like sooner or later, you're going to have to compete with the people that are ranking on number one and that have thousands of backlinks. But yeah, like, yeah, at least you also have the long tail. So maybe you rank for keywords that nobody's ranking for and you can still get some traffic there. And it's, it's something that once you invested in that for maybe a year, two years, then you can kind of live like that and maybe scale down a little bit. It depends on what your goals are. Yeah, yeah, with ads, you always need to constantly be be pumping there. Yeah, you need to be doubling up. You always got to double down on ads. But it was funny because, yeah, that's a long-term strategy that not a lot Mm -hmm. of folks are like, well, we're just going to pour money into ads and then we're going to grow and go viral. And you're like, okay. (laughs) Go viral. (laughs) Until you run out of money. Yeah. I I just... I, I'm very negative on this just because I've seen it so many times where people waste so much money not scaling the right thing because they don't have their story straight. They're not thought about the whole process. They don't have yeah. like, this is what it has to be because it works. Like ads work. Don't get me wrong. Like I've seen it and I'm, I'm a curmudgeon about it, but they clearly, they work, but they work when they're, when the, when the inputs are properly input. So if you got garbage crap in, you're going to get garbage crap out. You need to know that. Yeah, strategy. exactly. I mean, like, even if you know what you're doing, like, you're going to have to test it mm. for a while before you figure it out. Yeah. And so, like, testing costs money, obviously, with yeah. ads. So, totally. yeah. Oh. So, for this next generation of entrepreneur that's kind of coming up, mm-hmm. what sort of questions do you think they should ask themselves about being an entrepreneur? Uh, so, yeah, there's something really, uh, like, like really interesting that I learned from Alex McClafferty. He was the founder of WP Curve. And I did like a training course with him. And I remember he had this question that was like, like picture yourself in a few years and you already have a successful business. And essentially the successful business is the thing that you're dreaming of now, right? So picture yourself already being successful and ask yourself, why do you want this? Right. So you need to picture yourself having like basically exactly the thing that you're dreaming of now and ask yourself, why do you want uh, like that specific thing? So that's going to like make you reflect on all the, the different moving parts of the business and think about exactly why do I want like, maybe the freedom? Why do I want uh, the money or how much money do I want? Right. So, so kind of backtrack from that question. That is a very good question that I like to, uh, to ask myself quite often. And then the other thing is, is what am I good at? So, so, so pay attention to maybe your strength or your weaknesses and see if there's something that you can use. But the thing there is also that the strengths that you have can also work against you, mm, right? Good so, so yeah, also think about the downsides of the thing that you're good at because maybe i'm good at design but the fact that i'm a design nerd like maybe means that i'm not good at sales so i need somebody to help me with that and all that stuff and then lastly the main thing that i like to kind of ask myself as well is what are my values Hmm. and so so this is something that i like to do every six months or so and and it's like an exercise that I use to determine if a project that I'm working on is still viable or not. So, oh, okay. so compare like compare two projects, and you have like a table with the different values that are like yeah, like your personal values. So, it, like it can be money, it can be purpose, it can be family, uh, love, or something like that. And then, so you basically compare the two projects that you're working on and give scores based on the values to each of them and that kind of tells you which of the two projects is the best one to pursue so you can maybe leave the other one and focus on the best one of these so it's important to ask it yeah like quite frequently like i would say every six months is good and that's because uh, 
yeah, while working and while doing a bunch of things, like we basically change as humans, as entrepreneurs. Yeah. And so our true. values change with us, uh, yeah, with time as well. So it's important to to constantly be asking this ourselves. Cool. Well, those are really great questions. Alan, I, I appreciate your time, man. So so cool. We didn't even get to talk about 80s movies and yeah. good punk rock bands. Maybe maybe next time. We keep that fun out of time. Thanks again. Uh, stay safe and uh, we'll be in touch. Thanks a lot, Jari. It's been great to be here and yeah, keep in touch. Thanks, Alan, for the awesome interview and being on the show. As promised, here are some actionable insights that I learned from my interview with Alan. Picture yourself where you want to be in a few years and ask why. Getting in tune with your why will help you stay the course. And we talk about this all the time. The why is the internal thing, the internal need that you're doing the the company for. It's always good to have a very solid why so that when the zigs and zags happen, you can deal with it. What are you good at? What are your strengths and weaknesses and how are they serving you? So you can have a passion for something, but not be good at it. And that's probably not what you want to do for a company, but you know, ask these questions. It's, it's very important to kind of know thyself before you can actually go off and, and do other things. What are your values when making decisions about what projects to pursue? Alan assigns a score according to his values to make sure he's doing what he most wants to do and will most help him get to where he wants to go. And then sometimes our values change over time, so it's good to question this periodically and check in. So, of course, your core values of what you really believe in may or may not change, but you may value certain things at certain times. I mean, when you're younger, you may value just learning, but when you get a little older, you may value your free time. So make sure you always check in with yourself. So there you have it, some of the actionable insights and questions that I learned from my interview with Alan. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Entrepreneur Ethos Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did creating it. My hope is that you learned something that can make you a little bit better. If you enjoyed the podcast, please do share it with friends and review it on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. You can also join my email list by visiting theentrepreneurethos.com to get my thoughts on what I'm doing to get better, as well as what I'm working on. You can also pick up my book, The Entrepreneur Ethos, if you want to learn the traits, values, and beliefs that I think we need to build a more ethical, inclusive, and resilient entrepreneur and, frankly, world community. Feel free to follow me on Twitter at The Daily MBA and let me know if you have any questions or recommendations for a guest you'd like me to talk to. Also, drop me a note if you try anything we talked about on this or any other episode. I'd love to hear what's working for you. Until next time, keep getting better.